I was doing subscriptions, then I decided, okay, other people wanted it. Let me show you how to do it because I do think it's impactful. I just hated people trying to shut me down. So I just stopped talking about it for a while. But then when I started like coaching people on it and training them how to do it and training them what the framework looks like, then people got success. Thank you. All right, so so Kim, I'm excited because we got a lot of ground to cover, right? <laughs> um, because you're an attorney. I am. Right, brand strategy. Yes. Trademark. Yes. Protecting people's intellectual property. Absolutely. But now we also have you as a tech founder, right? SaaS, software as a service. Um, so I'm excited about all that. Yes. But before we get into it, like always, like talk about where we start. Okay. Like so, how did we become? you being one of the leading people when it comes to, okay, I need to protect my intellectual property, what I have. And and not just, I meet a lot of attorneys that are positioned in, you know, trademark, mm -hmm. patent, things like that. But you specifically say brand strategy. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, well, I started not even thinking about going to law school. My father's a lawyer, so I'm a second generation lawyer and I didn't want to do it. But um, I guess I'll go back a little bit further. When I came out of law school right before the market crashed and I was in a company, so I didn't. I never had a traditional way of doing the law. I went from being in a law, law school program that was a JD PhD program, decided the PhD wasn't for me, but I've since applied it, so it's been a good thing for me. But um, so market crash 08 and I was in a company and my ability to grow was taken away because everything changed, right? Mm -hmm. And we all had to figure out how to do things. And so a couple of years later, fast forward, I had to figure out, well, I'm not growing in my career. Let me see what's going to happen. And I went out on my own and started private practice. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. What didn't work. And one of the things that I learned was that hourly wasn't working. And so how I came to IP was one, I wanted to, it was very strategic. One, I started in labor and employment and I um, coming into private practice in order to work anywhere and to have more flexibility how I showed up, I needed to have a federal practice. So IP is a federal practice. So one, I was very strategic about the practice that I, I chose. And then two, when I came out, I lost a lot of money. I, I don't know for those that work with lawyers, I know we always are thought to be like super paid, highly paid, making all the money. But the reality behind the scenes is if you're a solo small, that's not always the case. And then mm. you follow traditional ways that don't work. And I did that. I came out I was working in a company, it was great, but I needed to still grow. So when I came out on my own, I followed what they told me, bill by the hour, get a retainer, do these things. And then I got stuck not once, but twice in a row with two clients. You know, they had things going on, but as a business owner at the time, essentially that meant I stopped getting paid. And wow. I stopped calculating it. It was about over six figures, but that led me to where I was, which was one, I needed to be intentional about picking a practice area that gave me more flexibility. And two, I needed to stop hourly billing. So that's kind of where. So let me ask you based on something you said. You talked about making a pivot from, hey, I was doing this type of law and then I went to this type yep. of law. In that moment, was that scary to make that transition or no? Um, what's it scary? I guess that's a, I don't, 
I don't think I was scared at the time because we were at the point where like, I just needed to make a decision. Right. And I thought I, I've been always this as a child or as an, a young adult. I and mean, now as an adult, I've always been a what if I type person, like mm -hmm. what's the worst that can happen? So I was the kid mm -hmm. that asked my parents That's for good. stuff and you could tell me no. And I was like, oh, well, I'm in the no position anyway. So I might as well ask. And so I think at that time, I really just wanted to see what other possibilities were. Right. And just see, well, this isn't working. I needed to try something else. And what was the worst that, that could happen? I mean, I was already in a down economy of, I don't know. So no, I don't think I was fearful at the time just because I thought I had fallbacks. I wasn't worried about it. Mm. So I love that, right? We have a lot of entrepreneurs who watch the show. Mm -hmm. And if they don't take anything from this, but yeah. that like, hey, what's the worst that, because so many times I feel like people don't make the ask they should mm -hmm. ask. They don't show up when they should show up. You yeah. know, they see someone in the space, they're like, I want to go up, but, but you know, yeah. I, I'm too afraid or, you know, I, I love that attitude, right? Yeah. Like what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, that's, I mean, I've always been like that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a great way to operate, right? I mean, it, it, it allows is. for you to take risk. It allows for you not to fear about failure. I mean, I've messed up, so I'm not trying to sit here and say I didn't mess up. I messed up a lot of things, but it's allowed me to get to where I am today. So mm, I'll, keep, I'll keep operating that way. And you also talked about following the traditional models. Mm -hmm. And, and um, yeah. you know, we talk a lot about digital marketing things. Like, so I've mm -hmm. met a lot of attorneys in the past. Mm -hmm. And as we try to tell them stuff, they're like, that's not how we do things here. Right. right? And, and I know in from what I've seen, industries like law, Mm -hmm. Industries like, um, you know, medical practice, mm -hmm. right? Industries like accounting yep. that are entrenched in so traditional. Yes. Sometimes it's hard for people to think outside the box because yes. the box is so tight and rigid. Mm -hmm. And now what I've seen is when people think outside the box, they blow up. Yep. <laughs> because like, you know, everybody's going this way and they go on the other way and it just stands out. But but like, was that your experience when you started like breaking away from traditional Oh, methods. hundred percent. I mean, I think the the story kind of is probably what you would hear, which is I told people what I was doing. They told me, oh, that doesn't work. They kept on telling me it didn't work. <laughs> they kept on telling me I couldn't do it based off of these things that they like rules. We have ethics rules. So they said they read the rules. I'm like, you obviously didn't because I know I did. <laughs> right. And they just always try to like, I guess, take away my to take away the creativity of the curiosity I had about doing things differently. Mm. And so I stopped talking about it to other lawyers. Instead, I went outside of law and I just talked to people who weren't in the legal field who thought about how to operate differently. But yeah, for sure. I mean, it's when you're in such an environment where people just want to do it one way. And in the law, it's just, if you don't do it that way, then they think that you're, you know, going against too much against the status quo that you're going to break things or you're, or you're, or it's just not how we do it. And that's mm -hmm. just not how I operate. I mean, it wasn't how I got into law school. I, I knew I didn't want to be a traditional lawyer when I went into law school. I was saying earlier, I had my I was in a JD PhD program. I didn't even get into the JD, JD PhD program when I went there. I actually got into the P, the JD program and I said, well, I'm gonna get into the PhD program because I didn't have enough time to take all the requirements. So I was like, well, I'll do good in law school. Then I get myself in there. And I don't know if that's the right way to be, but I was a little bit probably arrogant as a kid, a little <laughs> bit like a little overconfident, but I think just operating like that and not letting people tell me no as like the end all be all has helped me in things. I love it. Now, one of the things you talk about was billable hours, mm -hmm. right? So most law firms operate, you know, they bill you by the hour, uh, which scares the life out of mm -hmm. <laughs> most small business owners, yeah, things yeah. like that. Right? Yeah. It's like, how much is that really going to cost me? <laughs> right. When do my hours going to end? Like, you know, a lot of times it's like a lump sum, like boom, yeah, right? Yeah, All yeah. out of nowhere. Um, 
you know, like what issues, it all the issues you saw, what, what other issues did you see, what if it's something else? Yeah, I think on both sides. So like hourly billing, I think, I think lawyers, it's terrible. I think any service professional that bills by the hour should stop. I think it is the worst way. If you're trading time for money, it doesn't make any sense. But in, in. But hold on, though. you said something, right? Trading time for money. What I've yeah. found is that a lot of people, when they have a high billable hour, yeah. don't realize they're still trading. Right, time right. For, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. they just assume like, hey, you know, I'm making all this money. Yeah. But but I'll never forget one of my uh, first clients was a uh, uh, psychologist. Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. highly successful, mm -hmm. high in clientele, was booked, but he said, Lamar, I can't take a vacation. Right. Because if I go on vacation, I stop making Make money. Right. So I literally don't, like, I can never stop this wheel no more. Yep. Is that the same type of thing for yeah, lawyers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a thing in the law that's like, you can't continue to bill for what you're, for your, for your learning, right? And I think that's so contrary to being a community-based profession, right? That serves people, that's meant to serve people. And you see it that have, like you see big firms. So, so what most people think about are big firms and you see them right. making all the money, but most lawyers, over like 90% of lawyers for the most part are solo smalls, which means mm -hmm. all that splash you see with the $1,000, $1,500 hourly, that's not what most small solo, solo smalls are doing. And the billable hour instead causes them exactly what's happening, right? Like they are frustrated with like, their, their money, like in, inconsistent income, they're overworked, they're burnt out, they can't take take vacations, the same thing with the psychologist. So mm -hmm. you have all those same issues that pop up. Wow, so you, at what point did you say, all right, I'm not doing it and I'm going a different way? When I lost a lot of money. I mean, I, I knew, I went into a company that, I worked for a company, so I didn't come out of law school going to a firm. That's like traditional route. I came out of law school going to a company. And then once the market crashed, I went on my own. I was like, oh, okay, you're supposed to do it like bill by the hour. And then when I lost those like multiple six figures, that wasn't an option. That meant I wasn't being paid. <laughs> and so I had to figure it out. So pretty much, when you say you lost them, like what was it? You did all the work, but didn't get paid? For oh, them, I or? did all the work, couldn't get out of the case. I was required by my, so the, the, Long story short, I was part of like a smaller business too. And so I brought in another attorney and both, both of us were told by the, this was a litigation case at the time. We were told by the judge that we couldn't get out the case. And that was not wow. one case, but two. And that's not that uncommon, right? So, and it went on for years. And so the way I ended up with that case is I paid another attorney to close it out, which meant I stopped making money. So at the last time they, they got their bill that decided they couldn't pay. And I'm not saying the person, um, didn't want to pay me. There was probably things happening, but that didn't, that still meant I'm not making any money. And, and I bills. started to work. <laughs> and I started bills and I still had to actually, you know, show up for that client and do the right thing. So, yeah. So at that point, I decided, no, never again. And then I went to flat fees and then the ebbs and flows of fat, flat fees weren't ideal. And I wanted to find another way where I could just show up for clients. And I essentially, at the time, pitched a client and I was like, so what if I just, you just paid me and it was $500 a month and I would do whatever you needed. Now I'm a negotiator. And so they said yes very fast. And I wish they didn't say yes very fast. Because <laughs> I don't, don't feel right. Don't no, feel right. well, it was just like, dang, I could ask for more, right? But hindsight 2020 doesn't matter. That's kind of what right. started, right? This wheel kind of turning. And that's I didn't have a name for it. I just was like, oh, I need to show up similar to how I showed up when I was in a company. I just needed to like help you solve problems. Like my my, my perspective when I say brand strategist is right, I bring my legal expertise to help them solve now brand-related issues around their business. And right. so that's just how I wanted to show up for clients. I didn't want this friction of like, oh, if you call me, you're worried that this bill is going to come and you're not sure what's going to happen. That's that's problematic for all of us. Yeah. And so I wanted to figure out another way. So that was the early beginnings of it. Mm -hmm. At what point did you say, all right, you know what? Like, Fedu is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like a brand. Is maybe his own company. Like, like, and you 
said, I'm going to need to focus more on this. Yeah. So I've been practicing and doing what now we would call subscription legal services for over a decade. So I've been practicing law for over 16 years and I've been doing this for more than my entire lifespan of actually doing um, the law. So I have this model in my practice, which is what I do, which is how I show up. So no, no clients in my practice pay us hourly. They all pay us for a flat fee, recurring, depending on what their needs are, they're able to kind of grow with their firm. And so after a while, some lawyers were like, oh, I want to do it different. This, this doesn't work that way. And, and then people would tag me like, actually, Kim does it like that. And I'm like, oh, do I want to come back in the same space mm-hmm. where people keep telling me that it doesn't work? And then I started being tagged more and more and been asked, like, how do I do it? And so then I just went back and w- what I did and I thought through it and I created a framework, really, that is based off of what I've done over the years. And I, Fidu didn't happen. Fidu was a new thing. I just had, I was doing subscriptions. Then I decided, okay, other people wanted it. Let me show you how to do it because I do think it's impactful. I just hated people trying to shut me down. So I just stopped talking about it for a while. But then when I started like coaching people on it and training them how to do it and training them what what the framework looks like, then people got success. And then um, I was like, I spoke a lot in the legal space. And then one day my co-founder, he sent me an email after I was like speaking somewhere. And he was like, this isn't a sales call. What if? you know, you join me and we tried to kind of take this subscription thing to the next level. So that's how it really started. Like he came, he he pitched me to join him. So we're, we're actually a Canadian based company, which is a fun oh, fact. Wow. Yeah. So, but how long ago was this? This was in COVID. So we met for the first time last year. Oh, wow. And then I think the second time was like March of this year. So we've, we've only really inter- interacted over virtual, which has been my model anyway, but, um, Yeah. So we met in COVID. So I didn't have Fidu until about three years ago, almost three years ago. And that's um, and we quietly started working together to see if we could work together before we announced it. So it's it's only been announced a little over two years that I did it. So it's new. Now, I want to hear more about Fidu because Fidu, now that you have this this platform, is it totally public? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, now, yeah. It's not debating anything like that. Nope. Okay. And and is it for um, just attorneys or other people outside of attorneys? Well, if you're, if you, anyone can actually use it. So a service-based professional could use it, but we are, we are focused and targeting on the uh, legal space because that's, that's where I came from. Right. That's kind of the area that we are. And I think we all know, like, this mm-hmm. is what you coach and for people to be, you know, focused on what they're doing. So it's kind of the same thing, but behind the scenes, it is built for people that if they, if they're like, oh, I can use this in my business. Oh, I'm a service-based professional. I don't want to build by the hour. I want to scale my knowledge in really, um, in repeatable, uh, sustainable ways. Then yeah, they can use the platform. Okay. And for do, it gives them the, um, the infrastructure and platform for them to do that type of billing. Exactly. For, for subscription. But I think the key of recurrent, recurring revenue isn't simply just like getting the billing. That's like the easiest part is keeping the clients, right? Mm-hmm. It's keeping totally. the people who come to you and like, how do you deliver that at scale and provide ongoing value? So that's what we focused on. So we actually just did a sales release, a sa- being able to build through the platform. But before that, it was really focused on how do you bring all your knowledge to a place that's very scalable. Mm. For the attorneys using it, and even for yourself, mm-hmm. like in the early days, what did you learn about churn, right? About Hey, having to retain these people because now, because I think most people, when you and I don't know if you thought of when you first went in, a lot of people when they first go in, even they thinking about it, right? They're not, they start thinking about a lot bigger. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur, a black business owner, and you don't know where to go, if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to that gets how you feel or gets the pressures of being a business owner in today's climate, guess what? We do. I want to introduce you to the Traffic Sales and Profit Mastermind. Now in the TSP Mastermind, we have a 12 month program that's gonna help you reach your next six, seven or eight figures in business over the course of a year. Now along that year, we have one-on-one coaching, 
We have accountability. We have community. We have live events and everything you need in order to reach the next level. For more information, visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com. Mm -hmm. So like, hey, I got all these, you know, 10 people signed right. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hold up. Six people just left. Right, like, right, <laughs> right, right. Like, 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 how did you kind of learn? What's some of the things you learned about churning and trying to minimize that over the years? Yeah, I think, well, in my practice, uh, I, I'm blessed with having really long-term clients. So that's been a really great, great thing. So I think it's like showing up. So what I learned is what we apply in the, in the platform, which is like retention is the first thing. Like you have to communicate with your clients. You have to talk to them or your customers. You need to like really be engaged with them. You have to ask them what's working, what's not. You have to, you know, be humble when you screw up because you're going to, and that's just life, right? Um, you have to own kind of like, for, for us, it's like designing intentionally too. So like a, my, my subscriptions aren't designed for anybody just to come onto it. It needs to fit a certain type of client that wants it. So same with Badoo, like sure, service-based professionals can come on, but really the best, the best served are, are lawyers, right? Or legal teams or people that are in the legal industry just because of how we work. But what I learned was like retention is key, right? Like staying, staying in communication. And we're still a new, a, a new platform. So we're at the you know early stages of like growing the business, keeping people. We've been really good at churn, but it's because we talk, we ask people, we show up. I think when you're in a smaller business with whether it's SaaS or, or yeah. not, you have the resources to show up more for those early people. So, so, so you do, right? Like you do, you learn, you figure out what works and then you make whatever you learn scalable. And that's kind of how I did in my practice. And it's the same thing. That, that we're doing. Uh, for the attorneys to come on, are you teaching them too about how to lower churn and the, the things that you learned over the years? Is that, is like education piece of it too? Yeah, so it's interesting. So now we're kind of putting more in education. We just launched like this thing for people, for attorneys to learn, like get, get support in building out Purdue and learn a little bit more because I coached about it before. Mm -hmm. We we can, I could just leverage some of that and I do that. But yeah, that's just, if you're on the platform, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about it. I'm going to help you think through how do you design, design your subscription? How do you think through, how do you how do you position the subscription get against the rest of your services, mm. right? How do you think through who's the right person for it and who's not? And think through like the, the reporting and the, and the metrics behind it because that's what you need to really focus you know, on. And that's good because even when you talk about that positioning against your services, mm -hmm. you know, and I talk to different service providers, you talk about things like this that are different. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of times the fear of them is that it's going to cannibalize. Right, right. Like, like, like how am I going to be able to sell a $10,000 thing right. if it's a $500 thing over right. here on the side? Right. Like, what does that look like? Like, well, like, what do you say to people that come in with those kind of questions? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to take a look at your business. So, like, what are, what are your goals? Is the subscription meant to, like, bring people in and be more a lead generator or it's supposed to be, like, a premium side, right? And then you position it based off of that. You talk about it. I think a subscription isn't meant to be forever for everybody, right? It, there is a defined point where someone decides, okay, I'm done. And yeah, if that's exactly. the case, then then you build your various levels to help people go through a process. I think in the same thing we learned about marketing, people just don't apply it to the service side, right? Mm. There's a there's a journey that client is coming to or that customer is coming to help that you're to you to help them along, right? And so for me in the brand side, it's coming to help them get to a, you know, multi million dollar brand that is then able to bring in full-time legal counsel. And what does that mean? That means they're probably approaching, you know, eight, nine figures. That means they're, they're doing things inside of their business that requires a bigger team, that requires more, more compliance, that, that us in a fractional capacity can't, can't continue to do and doesn't make sense for the business. So I think if you approach the way you design your services to be aligned with your customers or your clients, you will package them and you will position them in a way to move them along a process that's about them and not about you. And if you do it that way, yeah, you'll get people to because they'll they'll know you're 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 all on the same page, you're aligned with how you're trying to get them, if it's business to the next level in business, if it's personal to the next stage in their personal life. Yeah. What I love about the concept of this for attorneys, um, is recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I would imagine 
legal work, unless you are extremely thriving, could easily be feast or famine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it could be mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. depending on how you marketing our stuff coming in, mm -hmm. right? It could be like, hey, that's right. We got uh, we doing contracts with this person, <laughs> reviews, look at it, or that's it could be true. like, I ain't heard nothing this, this month, like stuff. Cause even even us when we need uh lawyers, right? Which um over the years, we got a lot of entrepreneurs watching. Mm -hmm. You watching this, like you need lawyers. Like agreed. And I got like, <laughs> I got like four or five like different types of lawyers mm -hmm. that do different things now. Um, but it's like when you need them, you need them. Right. But then it's like months where like all quiet on the home front. But then like when I need them, I need them, right? So, so what we'll, you know, as you're talking to me, when I'm thinking like, wow, this would be great because it gives somebody recurring revenue, that bedrock, all we call like CPR, right? Mm -hmm. Every business needs CPR, mm -hmm. consistent, predictable revenue. Yep. And that recurring revenue gives you consistent, predictable revenue. Exactly. And once I got that, then I can staff off of it. Once I got that, I can mark, I can create budgets around it. Right. Because no, no matter what, I got this baseline of, of this the amount that's yep. showing up like every single month. Yep. Um, for those people coming in, like, do they really understand the current revenue piece is something you have to do, like, education around? Yeah, I think it depends on where someone is in their journey and where, they, where they're at in business. I think a traditional mindset, traditional law firm model doesn't get it. it mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not even a thought. But when people have had the feast or famine, when they're tired of, like, chasing unpaid bills, when you are overworked or overwhelmed and you're, you're just burnt out, which is... I mean, it's which is a lot of people in service-based professionals generally, but lawyers in, in particular. So yeah, no, they, they don't necessarily know it, but they, they want a better way. Mm -hmm. And so we just help them show what's a better way. And even in that example too, it's not meant for there to be this like ebbs and flows. I think that's what is a problem. If you if you have a recurrent a subscription that you have a lot of lulls with your attorney, it's probably not the right subscription then, right? Or it's not designed for you to get access to things. And yeah. so what we really try to do is move it from being a reactive model, which is how most of us engage lawyers, even myself, right? I'm a lawyer who talks to lawyers. I hate getting an hourly bill. I hate, <laughs> like, I have questions. I'm not sure how to ask it. All that friction point, particularly for small businesses, is yeah. a problem because you wait. We wait to the, the fire. Exactly. The fire is the worst time to hire a lawyer. So what we want to do is get people to have access to legal services much earlier. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you don't need the full, full-blown 360 support, but you need something. And the Google, the Facebook group, they're good to a point to help you workshop, but then you need specific things for your specific set of, set of facts and situations. Exactly. So yeah. So no, they don't necessarily know it, but we help them rethink how their show, services show up. We help them repackage their services. We help them think through, you know, like what, what, what should it be and what should be included in a subscription. But the platform itself is taking what I learned and it's helping them think through how to set it up just from just from signing up, right? I, I love it. What's, what's your plan for getting new customers into Fidu and getting more. Yeah, customers. so right now we were we're definitely at the still product market fit part where we're really making sure that we have all the right, like minimum viable, like and that's that's not to say it's not a great product, but right. like in the same way I believe subscription when I when I wasn't didn't have the product you need to iterate that's how we do so like we're we're at the point where we released this last sales feature that allows for people to start taking money from from the platform. So now that we have that, I think how do we get it through the same measures, like the same thing that you would do at education. Mm -hmm. We do we we speak or we're at events. Um, we have like our own like accelerator that helps people through it. And then doing a lot of content based strategy to help us be we're still probably the main people that people think about with subscriptions and that, you know, thankfully having that background has helped a lot, but making sure we stay ahead of that and let the content like drive us long-term and then do some of these other pieces. Some paid ads we'll do in the future and things like that. I love it. What's the, what's the goal? For, for Fidu? Yeah. Oh, the, I mean, the, I, the I mean, I, the big goal is to change the business model of the legal industry period. Wow. So it's to end hourly billing. 
Curry. Wow. To end, I love, I love, I love like big goals and big, big dreams and big vision. That's a big vision. Yeah.
The Combo, your home for conversations on black entrepreneurship and wealth, available on your favorite platforms.